Chapter Thirteen of Three Years by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Thirteen. More than a year had passed. Yulia and Yartsov were lying on the grass at Sokolniki, not far from the embankment of the Yaroslav Railway. A little distance away, Kochevoy was lying with his hands under his head, looking at the sky. All three had been for a walk and were waiting for the six o'clock train to pass to go home to tea. Mothers see something extraordinary in their children. That is ordained by nature, said Yulia. A mother will stand for hours together by the baby's cot, looking at its little ears and eyes and nose and fascinated by them if anyone else kisses her baby the poor thing imagines that it gives him immense pleasure and a mother talks of nothing but her baby i know that weakness in mothers and i keep watch over myself but my olga really is exceptional how she looks at me when i'm nursing her how she laughs she's only eight months old but upon my word i've never seen such intelligent eyes in a child of three tell me by the way asked yartsov which do you love most your husband or your baby yulia shrugged her shoulders i don't know she said i never was so very fond of my husband and olga is in reality my first love you know that i did not marry alexey for love in old days i was foolish and miserable and thought that i had ruined my life and his and now i see that love is not necessary that it is all nonsense but if it is not love what feeling is it that binds you to your husband why do you go on living with him i don't know i suppose it must be habit i respect him i miss him when he's away for long but that's not love he is a clever honest man and that's enough to make me happy he is very kind and good-hearted alyosha's intelligent alyosha's good said kostya raising his head lazily but my dear girl to find out that he is intelligent good and interesting you have to eat a hundredweight of salt with him and what's the use of his goodness and intelligence he can fork out money as much as you want but when character is needed to resist insolence or aggressiveness he is faint-hearted and overcome with nervousness people like your amiable alyosha are splendid people but they are no use at all for fighting in fact they are no use for anything at last the train came in sight coils of perfectly pink smoke from the funnels floated over the copse and two windows in the last compartment flashed so brilliantly in the sun that it hurt their eyes to look at it tea-time said yulia sergeyevna getting up she had grown somewhat stouter of late and her movements were already a little matronly a little indolent it's bad to be without love though said yartsov walking behind her we talk and read of nothing else but love but we do very little loving ourselves and that's really bad all that's nonsense ivan gavrilitch said yulia that's not what gives happiness they had tea in the little garden where mignonette stocks and tobacco plants were in flower and spikes of early gladiolas were just opening yartsov and kochevoy could see from yulia's face that she was passing through a happy period of inward peace and serenity and that she wanted nothing but what she had and they too had a feeling of peace and comfort in their hearts whatever was said sounded apt and clever the pines were lovely the fragrance of them was exquisite as it had never been before and the cream was very nice and sasha was a good intelligent child 
after tea yartsev sang songs accompanying himself on the piano while yulia and kotchevoy sat listening in silence though yulia got up from time to time and went softly indoors to take a look at the baby and at lida who had been in bed for the last two days feverish and eating nothing my friend my tender friend sang yartsev no my friends i'll be hanged if i understand why you are all so against love he said flinging back his head if i weren't busy for fifteen hours of the twenty-four i should certainly fall in love supper was served on the veranda it was warm and still but yulia wrapped herself in a shawl and complained of the damp when it got dark she seemed not quite herself she kept shivering and begging her visitor to stay a little longer she regaled them with wine and after supper ordered brandy to keep them from going she didn't want to be left alone with the children and the servants we summer visitors are getting up a performance for the children she said we have got everything a stage and actors we are only at a loss for a play two dozen plays of different sorts have been sent us but there isn't one that is suitable now you are fond of the theatre and are so good at history she said addressing yartsev write an historical play for us well i might the men drank up all the brandy and prepared to go it was past ten and for summer villa people that was late how dark it is one can't see a bit said yulia as she went with them to the gate i don't know how you'll find your way but isn't it cold she wrapped herself up more closely and walked back to the porch i suppose my alexey's playing cards somewhere she called to them good night after the lighted rooms nothing could be seen yartsev and kostya groped their way like blind men to the railway embankment and crossed it one can't see a thing said kostya in his bass voice standing still and gazing at the sky and the stars the stars they are like new threepenny bits gavrilitch ah yartsev responded somewhere in the darkness i say one can't see a thing where are you yartsev went up to him whistling and took his arm hi there you summer visitors kostya shouted at the top of his voice we've caught a socialist when he was exhilarated he was always very rowdy shouting wrangling with policemen and cab drivers singing and laughing violently nature be damned he shouted come come said yartsev trying to pacify him you mustn't please don't soon the friends grew accustomed to the darkness and were able to distinguish the outlines of the tall pines and telegraph posts from time to time the sound of whistles reached them from the station and the telegraph wires hummed plaintively from the copse itself there came no sound and there was a feeling of pride strength and mystery in its silence and on the right it seemed that the tops of the pines were almost touching the sky the friends found their path and walked along it there it was quite dark and it was only from the long strip of sky dotted with stars and from the firmly trodden earth under their feet that they could tell they were walking along a path they walked along side by side in silence and it seemed to both of them that people were coming to meet them their tipsy exhilaration passed off the fancy came into yartsev's mind that perhaps that copse was haunted by the spirits of the muscovite czars boyars and patriarchs and he was on the point of telling kostya about it but he checked himself when they reached the town gate there was a faint light of dawn in the sky still in silence yartsev and kotchevoy walked along the wooden pavement by the cheap summer cottages eating-houses timber stacks under the arch of interlacing branches the damp air was fragrant of lime-trees 
and then a broad long street opened before them and on it not a soul not a light when they reached the red pond it was daylight moscow it's a town that will have to suffer a great deal more said yartsov looking at the alexyevsky monastery what put that into your head i don't know i love moscow both yartsov and kostya had been born in moscow and adored the town and felt for some reason antagonistic to every other town both were convinced that moscow was a remarkable town and russia a remarkable country in the crimea in the caucasus and abroad they felt dull uncomfortable and ill at ease and they thought their grey moscow weather very pleasant and healthy and when the rain lashed at the window-panes and it got dark early and when the walls of the churches and houses looked a drab dismal colour days when one doesn't know what to put on when one is going out such days excited them agreeably at last near the station they took a cab it really would be nice to write an historical play said yartsov but not about the lyapunovs or the godunovs but of the times of yaroslav or of monomach i hate all historical plays except the monologue of Pimen. when you have to do with some historical authority or even read a textbook of russian history you feel that everyone in russia is exceptionally talented gifted and interesting but when i see an historical play at the theatre russian life begins to seem stupid morbid and not original near dimitrovka the friends separated and yartsov went on to his lodging in nikitsky street he sat half dozing swaying from side to side and pondering on the play he suddenly imagined a terrible din a clanging noise and shouts in some unknown language that might have been kalmuk and a village wrapped in flames and forests near covered with hoarfrost and soft pink in the glow of the fire visible for miles around and so clearly that every little fir tree could be distinguished and savage men darting about the village on horseback and on foot and as red as the glow in the sky the polovtsi thought yartsov one of them a terrible old man with a blood-stained face all scorched from the fire binds to his saddle a young girl with a white russian face and the girl looks sorrowful understanding yartsov flung back his head and woke up my friend my tender friend he hummed as he paid the cabman and went up his stairs he could not shake off his dreaminess he saw the flames catching the village and the forest beginning to crackle and smoke a huge wild bear frantic with terror rushed through the village and the girl tied to the saddle was still looking when at last he went into his room it was broad daylight two candles were burning by some open music on the piano on the sofa lay polina razudin wearing a black dress and a sash with a newspaper in her hand fast asleep she must have been playing late waiting for yartsov to come home and tired of waiting fell asleep hello she's worn out he thought carefully taking the newspaper out of her hands he covered her with a rug he put out the candles and went into his bedroom as he got into bed he still thought of his historical play and the tune of my friend my tender friend was still ringing in his head two days later laptov looked in upon him for a moment to tell him that lida was ill with diphtheria and that yulia sergeyevna and her baby had caught it from her and five days later came the news that lida and yulia were recovering but the baby was dead and that the laptovs had left their villa at sokolniki and had hastened back to moscow end of chapter thirteen 
Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.